So I want to tell you a quick story. This happened, like I said, it happened a couple years ago, and I remember when it happened, where there's this church, I think it, where was it, in Spain? Yeah, it was in Spain, Spanish church, not too long ago, and what happened was this parishioner, one of the ladies who worked there, was walking around the building, the church, and she noticed this picture of Jesus that was there, and it was starting to wear down. It was starting to get old. It was starting to kind of fall apart. Actually, go ahead and hit that slide for me, Burleson. I think we got it right there. Just the first. There it is. Okay. So this is the picture right here of, of Jesus that was up in this church. And the cool thing about this picture is that it had been there for years and years and years. And the people in the town around it, actually, they loved this picture. It was kind of like a, a, a town pride thing where they were like, we got this sweet picture of Jesus. Well, the lady that was working at this church looked at this picture and said, man, I don't really like that big blotchy spot there. I'm going to take it upon myself to fix it. So guess what she did? She went and got her paintbrush. She went and got some paints. And let me show you what happened. Go ahead and hit the next slide. This is what she drew, okay? Now, now that is the same picture. She just painted over it, okay? And everybody, I mean, imagine this lady. She, she does this and she goes, I've done a really good thing. And everybody comes in and they're like, no, 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 you've done, you've done a terrible thing. This, this great picture of Jesus, you've ruined. Like, I don't even, it looks like a Star Wars character. It looks crazy. Look at that bottom lip. Kind of looks like Bryson. That's what Nick said, all right? But guys, listen, this lady here took it upon herself to restore this picture. She tried to fix this picture. Do you agree with me that she did not do a good job fixing this picture? She did a, she did a bad job. Bryson, you think she did a good job? Yeah. All right, Bryce and I question your taste now, all right? But here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. She, like I said, she tried to fix it. She tried to restore it, and it just did not go exactly as she planned. Now, our series that we started last week, go ahead and hit the, uh, the series slide for me. This is our current series that we're in called Making a Messiah, and it's, it's to answer this question is, who is Jesus Christ? Now, we, we talked about last week how the four Gospels, somebody raise your hand and tell me what the four Gospels are. Just anybody, go ahead. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Great job. So last week we talked about how God or Jesus is God, okay? And the reason we're doing this is if you look at all four Gospels, all four Gospels paint a picture of what Jesus is and who he was, but they all, they're all slightly different. Last week we talked about the Gospel of John and we talked about how this Gospel really focused on showing Jesus as the Son of God. That was the portrait that, that John tried to draw, to draw about Jesus. Now, we're going to be in the book of Matthew today, and our, our title for our message tonight is Jesus the Healer. Jesus the Healer. We're going to talk about how he did miracles and he healed people in the New Testament. Now, if we were to look around the world, I want you guys, everybody close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes, okay? Think about the world as a whole, and think about how bad things have gotten. Think about it, seriously. You've got, there, there are, uh, the, the human trafficking is a big, big thing right now. Greed is a huge thing. Uh, anger, war. Like, guys, uh, go ahead and open your eyes. I think I said last week that the 21st century was the bloodiest century of all time. And we think we're the most civilized people, right? Yet we had World War I, World War II, Vietnam, the Korean War. We had all these. The Holocaust happened. Uh, Cambodia, that, that mass genocide that happened to the Cambodians. I mean, we live in a time that I think it, it just looks like things are getting worse and worse and worse. Wouldn't you agree with that? So the question I want to ask you before we get started is, um, was it supposed to be like this? 
When God created everything, do you think he said in, in his mind where God was like, you know, when I create everything, man, I'd really love for a Holocaust to happen. Man, I'd really love for World War II to really take flight. No, no, no. God had a plan, okay? He had this pretty specific plan that he wanted for us, and we have all, we've all went away from God's plan. Now, um, because of sin, we are all damaged, we're all broken in some way. I imagine that if we went to each person tonight, we can, we can all share something that we are struggling with, something that uh, we're dealing with. And what I want to do tonight is I want to show you this, uh, this picture right here. Uh, hold on. Hopefully this doesn't fall apart on me. And it did. All right. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for that, Oliver. Thank you. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This still fits the analogy. Don't worry. Boom. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. All right, here we go. All right, let's look around here at this thing. All right. Guys, I want you to... Oh, thanks, Oliver. You have just, you have just uh, become my favorite student here. All right. Okay. So, first off, I want everybody to look at Chrissy Fuller and say, great job, Chrissy, because she painted this yesterday. All right? Now, when you look at this portrait here... Remember, our theme that we're doing for this whole series is we're talking about the portrait of Jesus. And so we've got a portrait here, which it's unique because it's not one big picture, right? In fact, it was one big picture, except it's, it's kind of into pieces now. And, and it's kind of hard. Anybody, just don't say it out loud, but be thinking about what this is. Because in just a little bit, we'll rearrange it and show you what it is. But this is a picture that had uh, an original purpose for what it was supposed to be. And then Chrissy separated the pieces, and we've scattered them all apart. And just like this picture, a lot of us are this way spiritually. We're this way mentally, where we are, uh, you know, we're not exactly what God created us to be. We're broken. If you deal with, if you deal with anger, if you deal with lust, if you deal with greed, if you deal with any of these things, you are not living the way God intended for us to live. And so tonight, what I want us to do is we are going to look at how Jesus healed people and how Jesus really was the master at putting people back together again. How he, he is the person who can truly restore. This lady that tried to restore this picture of, uh, of Jesus there did a horrible, horrible job. But Jesus really is the only person, God is the only person who can put the broken pieces back together. Okay? So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to read in Matthew chapter 9. So um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 9. And just to kind of reiterate what Miss um, Erica and Miss Caitlin said, if you go to genoastudents.org, okay, you can go there to the website, and you can scroll down to that second picture, and it says sermon notes, and you can click on it, and all of our notes are digital online for you. So you can keep, you can keep your notes. All of my points are there. All of the scripture is there. So if you don't feel like writing a ton... And you can also type out notes and stuff under each point. So I would encourage you to do it. It's a pretty cool little thing. So with that being said, let me pray, and we'll open up to Matthew chapter 9. Here we go. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you, Lord, that, um, that we have this chance to come together and talk about how you are the healer, God, that you, um, you are the only person who can repair this brokenness in our lives, God. So, Lord, as we dive into the Gospel of Matthew today, Lord, my prayer is that we can um, see how your healing was significant, how all the people that you healed, it wasn't just Jesus being a nice guy doing nice things for other people. There was significance to this healing. So, Lord, I, I pray that we can 
hear your words and grow in our love for you. We love you and we pray this in your name. And all of God's children said, amen. All right, let's read Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Here we go. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. This is the person who can't walk. He's paralyzed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that may, that, I'm sorry, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. He rose and he went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Anybody heard this story before? Yeah. Now, the cool thing about this story is it's, this is not the only place in the Bible that this story is told. It's told in a couple of the Gospels. But tonight we're going to be focusing on the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Remember every week we're looking at a different Gospel to see what portrait of Jesus the, the the, the author is painting. And today, we're, like I said, we're going to look at Matthew, and Matthew was written to a very specific audience. Does anybody know who Matthew was written to? Any ideas? Yes. Christians, okay. What, who else? What do you think? Starts with a J. Jews. <laughs> who said that? Oh, Preston. Preston, when you speak, my heart is happy. I don't know. Just anytime you talk. I love it. So this was written to the Jewish people. Now, the reason this is important is because the Jewish people had a different way of thinking than everybody else. The Jewish people had a bunch of scripture. They had the Old Testament in which there was writings that was telling them, hey, someday a Messiah is going to come to save us. Someday a king is going to come and he is going to free us from this bondage. And so the Jewish people had an idea that a Messiah was coming. And so when Matthew wrote the book of Matthew, the whole purpose of writing this book was to tell the Jewish people, hey, stop looking. The Messiah is here. He's here. His name is Jesus Christ. He was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And so he's writing to the Jewish people. Um, and the cool thing about Matthew is it's written as if a reporter was writing it. So he doesn't tend to be like a storyteller where he elaborates a ton of stuff. He's like, we're just getting the facts, just getting the facts. And so the, if you were to look at this version of uh, the paralyzed man in Matthew, you'll see it's only eight verses. But, um, but uh, actually in, uh, or what is it, seven verses? Eight verses. But if you look in Luke, Luke spends a little bit more time talking about it. And so, um, um, again, he told of the coming Messiah, and they talked about who needs the Messiah. And, and the question is, if somebody's telling you, hey, the Messiah is coming. You need this Messiah. Really, the question is, what do I need a Messiah for? What do I need to be saved from? So here's our main point for today, and the whole message can be summed up in this point. Go ahead and put that on the screen for me, Burleson, if you don't mind. Here's the bottom line for today, and it's this. Oh, Jesus wants to restore you. Jesus wants to restore you. If you want to write that down, I would encourage you to write that down. That's something, um, if you could write on your arm and look at it every day and just say, Jesus wants to restore me. He wants to restore me. He wants to unbreak me. He wants to bring me back to what I was originally created to be. Uh, this word restoration, uh, it's, it's a cool word. It's funny, I had a, I had a friend in um, college. We, uh, we almost started a church in Boston. And uh, I know of all places where he goes, hey, Boston isn't a very churched place. And I said, we should go start a church there. And he goes, let's do it. So we talked about it. He ended up going to another college out there. 
And we were going to start a church called uh, Restoration House, I think. Which is funny because my friend had a speech impediment, so he couldn't pronounce the word. He'd be like, Restoration. But he goes, but the word is really great, so we're going to stick with it. So, but restoration, it's a great word, and here's what the definition is. Restoration is the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. The key word there is return. It's returning to something. Which, for us, if God wants to return us to a certain state, it implies that where we are right now is not where he wants us to be, right? This is the whole reason Jesus came to earth. And again, I want to ask you that question. Do you think God intended for humanity to be this way? You think so? No, I don't think so. And it's funny, I was watching TV yesterday with my wife, and it hit me. I said, you know, humanity has become something that God did not want it to be. We are... We're a deformed version of what he's created us to be. And I knew this was true based on the TV show that I was watching last night. What is it? It's The Bachelor. Why are you watching that? It is the best piece of garbage show to watch on television. All right? Now, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you about this show real quick if you've never seen it. It's awful. It's terrible. It's the worst show. But... It's like a car accident where I can't look away, all right? My wife and I were watching it last night, and there is... God, you can just put those under your seat there if you don't mind. Appreciate that. Um, there's, a, there's a guy who is the main guy named Colton. Any Colton fans here? Anybody? Don't you watch The Bachelor? Oh, <laughs> man, normally I thought if you said the word Colton, everybody goes nuts. Okay, Colton is the main guy. He was on the show last season on The Bachelorette. And the thing about Colton that makes him unique is... He went up to The Bachelorette last season, and she says, tell me about yourself. And after this long time, he says, I, I have a secret to tell you. And he says, I'm a virgin, which means he has never had sex with another person, okay? And so this apparently was this, this big deal to him, or, and, and, and to her it was this big deal where she goes, oh, man, I just, I just don't know. And so I'm watching this show, and the whole premise of this show is, is love, right? It's like, come on the show and find true love. Date 25 chicks at once. It's bound to work out, right? And, and what, the funny thing about this show, it, I think the stats are like six couples have survived out of 31 seasons. It's, it's a hot mess. It's a hot garbage, all right? But we're watching this show. The guy, he gets his own season now, and he, all the girls come in, and all they talk about is they're just like, oh, he said he's a virgin. I can't. I'm going to be the one to take his virginity. I'm going to be the one who, who teaches him stuff and all that stuff. And I remember just sitting there and being like, this is true love? This is, this is what, what love is in our culture now? It's a, per, it's a perversion. It's a, it's a deformity of what true love is, right? If you want, guys, let me, best advice I can give you tonight, don't watch The Bachelor and think life is going to be that way. You're, the person you date will not be able to afford to take you to the top of skyscrapers and have fireworks shoot off every time you go on a date, okay? It's just, it's, it's oh, I hate that show but I can't stop watching it. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. When you're, looking, when you're looking for perfection, when you're looking for what God wants, you don't look to the perverse, deformed versions of it, right? True love is, you will not find true love on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, okay? If you want to know what God wants from you, if you want to know how God originally created us, here's what you do. You turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, and you see the original creation. Do you guys realize that the Garden of Eden was perfect? You realize this, right? God, on the first day, said, uh, 
He created, let there be light. Then he created the heavens and the earth. And he created everything, plants, animals, trees, everything. And then eventually on the last day, on that sixth day, he creates his masterpiece, which is what? Us. It's humans. And he creates us perfectly. So much that he looks at us and he goes, or he looks at Adam and Eve and he goes, wow, this is very good. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to take the next day to rest and enjoy my creation. So we, the Garden of Eden shows us exactly what we're supposed to be. It shows us what God created us to be. Then we know the story. A couple chapters later, in chapter 3, what happens? It's the fall of man, where Satan comes in. He tempts Eve. She eats the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She then tempts her husband, Adam, who then eats the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sin has now entered the world. And remember, sin, God can't be around sin, so he removes Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. He removes them from this perfect place, and now this once perfect creation is now deformed. It's now perverted. It's now different than what he created it to be. This is what sin does. I was thinking last night as I was putting some of this stuff together, I was like, what do you think it was like when, just imagine Adam and Eve, they've left the Garden of Eden Things, years go on, years go on, and somebody comes up to them that's blind, and they, they come up and they say, hi, I'm blind. And they're like, what, what's blind? What are you talking about? And they go, well, I can't see with my eyes. And Adam and Eve go, what do you mean you can't see with your eyes? God gave us eyes to see things. Why can't you see? And they're just like, I don't know. I just can't see. It's, 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 a, it's an effect of the fall. It's an effect of sin. Sickness, disease, depression, anger, lust, all of these things did not exist in the Garden of Eden. None of that stuff existed. That's why I would, I, I, it would be weird for Adam to just be like, what do you mean your eyes don't work? What is that about? You know? Because he knew what perfection was, and now he sees the result of it. And guys, the thing is, Satan has deformed us. Because of sin, Satan has deformed us. And you know, it's, when you look at Satan, he has right now, currently, he has dominion over this world that we live in. Only because God has allowed him to. But he has dominion. This is why we're tempted. This is why we fall into sin and stuff. And the good news is someday when we get to heaven, he won't have dominion over us anymore because Jesus will come again someday. But the first thing I want to point out about Jesus' healing is it shows that he is God. Remember last week, that was our main point, right? It was Jesus is God. If you don't think that Jesus is God, Christianity falls on its face. There, there's nothing, if, if you can't get past that point, and you can't say that Jesus is God, then the rest of Christianity doesn't mean anything because that is the foundation for what it rests on. When Jesus would go around healing people, he would, when he healed people, he would show that he is God. Let me, let's read verse uh, 6 again. Matthew 9, verse 6. Here it is. Remember, the, the, the scribes and the people around him, they kept saying, hey, you're blaspheming. You can't just say that you're God. Back in these days, if you said, if you just were strolling on the street and you said, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm God. They would say, all right, stone them. And they'd get rocks, and they would kill you right there on the spot. It's a big deal. And so Jesus, listen to what he says here. They said, you're blaspheming. And he goes, okay, you know what? Just so you know that I have the authority on earth to forgive sins, he looked at the paralyzed man, and he said, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. And guess what happened? He got up, he took a stretcher, and he went home. He did exactly what, I always like to imagine he did like a little dance. Like if I had just gotten my legs working again, I'd be like, yeah, I'd do like a little jig first. But he, he got up, he did exactly what, what Jesus had told him to do. And don't miss this, okay? Because it's easy to think, oh, Jesus just did this really nice thing for this guy. That's awesome. It's way more than that. You know what he did? It's he says, hey, 
Satan had power over this guy because obviously sickness and deformity wasn't in, in the original creation. Jesus says, Satan had power over that, but guess what? I have power over Satan, and he, frig- and, and he fixed that person. Only God can do that. So the first thing, the first significant thing about Jesus' healings is he's showing that he's God. And later on, we see that the apostles can heal people, but guess what? They only do it in the name of Jesus. Satan has dominion over this world. Jesus' healing shows that Jesus has power over Satan. Here's the last point here, and uh, it, it's really, it's my bottom line is here, is that, is that um, Jesus wants to fix you, okay? He wants to fix you. Jesus desperately wants to restore you back to what you were or what you were supposed to be. He's not satisfied with us living in this deformed state. What I want to do real quick is I want to show you guys a video. Anybody ever heard of the show, uh, I think it's called Fixer Upper? You heard of that before? Yeah. It's a pretty good show. I like it, all right? What we're going to do is we're going to show you a clip here, and I want you to think about this. Look at this house that you're about to see, and think about how run down this house looks. And if you know anything about, uh, what are they, the Gaines? Is that their last name? I think. If you know anything about these guys, it doesn't matter what it, it looks like at the beginning. They're going to make it look good, right? They're going to restore this house. And what they did with this couple here that you're about to see is they said, hey, I've got three houses for you. One house is this much. You're going to go over budget with the renovations. One house is this much. You're going to go over budget. However, this last house is only $25,000, which is nothing compared to a house, for a house, right? And they said, it's only $25,000. However, if you let me put $100,000 into renovation, I will make this house look good. They, the risk paid off. Look, look what happened. Go ahead and hit the, uh, the video for me. Cut those lights, Rafi. I think my first apartment was nicer than this. Chuck and Charmaine are looking for a fixer-upper here in Waco, Texas, in a neighborhood called the Sanger Heights area. We've shown them three houses. Two of the houses cost more but require less renovation. One house is a complete wreck, but it gives them the most opportunity to make it exactly what they wanted. We went back and forth, some heated exchanges. In the end, we went for the ghost house? What would we call it? The catastrophe house? Yeah, you called it the catastrophe house. It's really hard to imagine it being something new and beautiful. I trust Joanna. I know she's been able to turn crappy into happy, and I'm hoping that she can do that with this house. Are you guys ready to see your fixer-upper? Let's go. Oh, Oh my god. (laughs) Is this the same house? Oh, man. That's, that's incredible. There were so many elements of this house that when you ripped off the porch, which was in complete disarray, and the landscape and the trees. I'm not hearing a word you're saying. (laughs) It's beautiful. It it. really is. Everything is awesome. I I can't believe it. Let's go inside now. Let's go see your fixer upper. Welcome to your home. Oh my goodness. Ah. What do y'all think? Wow. 
Wow. I know you remember that beautiful banister. There were a few pieces that were missing. missing yeah. Clint literally came in, one of my carpenters, and he wow. did brand new spindles to match the old ones, and he did a really great job. Oh, man, those floors look great. These are your yeah. original floors, guys. We sanded them down. We restored them. It almost seems too posh for us. <laughs> wow, it's the yeah. word. Yeah, I'll, that's all I can say. Backsplash, <laughs> I love the backsplash. Oh, that looks great. Isn't that cool? We got you a farm sink, which I love. They're just open, and I mean, this is you know true to the, the yeah. style and era of this home. I think it looks great. That's pretty cool, huh? You see a house that was run down like that, I'm pretty sure it was a dead animal in the first part. Did you guys see that? It looked like it was a dead rat or something. But, but it's this old house. It's this old rundown house, which you have to imagine didn't look like that when it was first built. But because, it, because of the wear and the tear, and it just, it just became decrepit. And I love that those two came in and they said, you know, we're not going to tear down the whole house. We're not going to bulldoze it and then build a new one. They said, the, the foundation is there. We're just going to restore it. We're going to make it new again. And what's cool, you know, it's when you think about how God wants to restore you, how that's his desire for us is to, is to return us to what we were originally supposed to be. When you look at a picture like this, you see that some of us, our lives are like this, right? Some of you guys are broken. You're, you're into different areas, right? You're in different pieces here where you, you're, you feel like your life is in pieces. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know the things that you struggle with. I don't know the the hard times that you've been through. But God doesn't want it to stay that way, okay? He doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants to put you back together. Chrissy, why don't you come on up here because I'll knock it over again. Chrissy's going to put this together and show us what the original picture was. Any guesses, by the way? Or? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think most of you guys got it. Let's see what we got here. All right. <laughs> well, it, it helps that I gave him the clue of the, of the, uh, the video, you know, but... So, so what we're going to do here is she's going to show us what it, do you remember how it goes, Chrissy? Okay, cool. <laughs> I told her, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get this in front of an audience. So why don't you come up and do it for me? But this, uh, this, when God restores us, it's this really cool thing that happens is before restoration, you are not a child of God. After God restores you, after you give your life to Jesus and he welcomes you in. You are a child of God. And the cool thing about being a child of God is that you literally become the dwelling place of God. Did you guys know that if you're a Christian in this room, that, that God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, which means you are a dwelling place of God. You are a temple of God. You're actually a house of God. And that's, I mean, obviously that's what our picture is here, I think. Is it a house? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Didn't she do a good job, everybody? Give Chrissy a big round of applause. There we go. Yes. There it is. So, guys, Chrissy, this really looks good. I called her yesterday and asked her to do this, and she did it just like that. But look at this. When she put it back together again, it, it's, it looks like what it's supposed to look like. It is what it's supposed to be. And you guys in here, if you have not given your life to Jesus, you are this picture before it's put back together. You are a, a, a jumbled up mess. You're broken. You're deformed, right? But Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, he's able to heal you. He's able to fix you. He's able to restore you. Let's read one more scripture and then we'll finish. This is, let's reread Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Here it is. Just then, this is the beginning of it, the men brought him a paralytic man lying on a stretcher. 
Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, get up and walk. Is that what he said? Nope. He says, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. What did he do first? What was he more concerned about? He was more concerned about his spiritual healing than he was his physical healing. Obviously, he physically healed him. But the first thing he says, that, I mean, imagine that if, if the guys, they bring him before Jesus and they say, hey, our, our, our friend's a paralytic, he can't walk. And he goes, don't worry, your sins are forgiven. They're probably like, that's not, that's not what we brought him here. We want you to heal his legs. What are you talking about? But Jesus, Jesus knows what's most important. That's the spiritual healing. Remember, Jesus wants to heal you spiritually. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him heal you? Will you let him restore you? Will you let him make you what you were originally created to be? What you'll do is if you live a life for Jesus, you'll find that you will be happy. Even if, even if your life is in shambles in terms of like things going bad around you, bad things happen, if you give your life to Jesus, living for Jesus it gives you that purpose. And when you're living on purpose, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You still find that happiness. The problem is when you put your happiness in things, when you try to let other things restore you that aren't God. This is what you see on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. I mean, seriously, at the end of it, it blows my mind that some of these girls, after the second day, the second day, they get dumped on national TV and they walk off to the side and they go, I just really thought this would be the guy that makes me happy. I just, I just thought he was the one. I'm like, it's day two. It's day, you don't even know this dude, all right? And you, it, girls, if you think a guy is going to make you happy, nope. Boys, if you think a girl is going to make you happy, I mean, yeah, they, they can bring happiness, but not that fulfilling happiness that only God can bring. Don't try to be restored by things like the lady who painted that picture in the beginning, okay? Let the best restorer do it. I'm going to have Rusty come up. He's going to pray for us, and we're going to do a couple worship songs, and then we'll break into small group time. So <laughs> you can take that picture down, please. <laughs> that Jesus is as bad a representation as that vintage Jesus uh, movie that we watched. Rusty's going to pray for us. Everybody stand up real quick. We're going to stand up and sing a couple songs. Uh, why don't you turn those lights off if you don't mind, Mr. Uh, Rafi, okay? And pray us out. Father God, we're just so thankful to be here as a body and as a youth group. We're thankful that you live inside of us and that we have your healing living inside of us um, and we're we're grateful for everything that you are and we ask you that your healing will flow through us um, into others and help them to see you and your love for them in jesus name amen <laughs>